after looking the part on an aircraft carrier last week and then beating the number two team in the nation this week, Michigan State has Big Ten title potential. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, welcome into Locked On Big Ten. It's everything you need to know about the Big Ten every single day of the week. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson, and coming up on today's show, we got a big recap of a big win for Michigan State. Happened just a couple hours ago, and then right after that, we got to look at the college football playoff rankings. No changes in the top four, of course, but the movement outside and right below could be indicative of what might happen if one of these four teams loses down the stretch. We know for a fact, of course, that one of the Big Ten teams will. We'll get into that here on Locked On Big Ten as we continue along on the show. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Our show today is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has all of the lines, odds, and games that you could possibly be looking for to put that money on. So head on over to Bet Online where the game starts. Let's start with the biggest game on the basketball court, at least at the time of recording. We're recording before the end, of course, of Duke and Kansas in that second matchup, but I highly doubt it will beat the double overtime thriller between Michigan State and Kentucky. Up until what was the last few seconds of the game, when Michigan State pulled away and won this game, it was close throughout, and not just saying it close throughout. It was a stat put on Twitter, I I'll go and find the guy later and give him his credit where it's due. But it was eight and a half minutes about in the first quarter where this game got back within five points and it stayed within five points on either side all the way through until Michigan State pulled away at the end of double overtime. These two teams were going back and forth throughout. This was not a chance where Michigan or a, a situation where Michigan just got a little bit of an opportunity and got hot and took advantage. No, these two teams played out a battle just like Michigan State and Gonzaga did on the USS Abraham Lincoln last week. It was a statement win, of course, for Michigan State, but it it just continues to solidify the fact that the Spartans are for real, and they better be in the top 25 next week. But Michigan State has what it takes, and they did it in ways that I didn't think that Michigan State was necessarily going to be able to do it in what we saw against Kentucky. Let's get into just the end of this game. Michigan State, of course, pretty much battling throughout, keeping things basically tied with Kentucky for most of this game. Back and forth, back and forth they went. Last three or four minutes were, of course, huge, huge. Tyson Walker had some big shots in this game. Not only made some big shots, but got some big shots. Got the opportunity for big shots, too. He uh, ended up taking a shot at the end of regulation that it didn't go anywhere. But then, of course, Hall gets the easy bucket a couple of times. He had mid-range jumper while the team was down by three, I think it was, to put him down by one in overtime. That was huge that I honestly didn't even love. He had a big three later on. He was getting those last-second looks and getting the trust from Tom Izzo to be able to get a good look, too. And... He executed. The conversation on the broadcast was all about his ability to kind of get into the lane and get penetration, and he did that perfectly in this 
matchup and in the end especially he was really really good and I'm interested to see exactly how he develops as the season goes on. Malik Hall was of course one of the big names to know from this name from this game in regulation and then at the end of first overtime a couple a dunks as time expired or as time was getting to expiring with just a few seconds left to tie the game and continue the game and then once it got to that second overtime and once Michigan got Oscar Shibwe out of that game with a foul out, it was really all Michigan State. Uh, Matty Sissoko was outstanding in this game at the end, putting together great defensive efforts. And while Shibwe had his way, he was 22 and 17 rebounds, I believe it was by the end of the day, double digit defensive rebounds alone for him. While that was all, of course, what you're going to get when you're facing an All-American. Sissoko, I thought, held his own just about as well as you could have asked him to. He was really good. And, of course, was really good at the end on the offensive side, too. Just the alley-oops from Walker to him. Those two, I think, are the pieces that make Michigan State that kind of contender that we weren't seeing at the beginning of the season in not putting them in that top 25. There's still questions about Michigan State. But I think that this kind of a win, at the very least, solidifies them as a contender in the Big Ten right now. Because they're coming in more ready. The conversation going into this season was that the reason why the Big Ten wasn't as highly respected in the preseason polls wasn't because there wasn't going to be good basketball teams here. It was because we didn't know who was going to step up. Now we know one team. And we shouldn't have been surprised or probably should have expected that it was going to be Tom Izzo's that was going to be right there. This team is back. After spending the last couple of years having to flirt with the bubble at times, Michigan State is back back. And I'm ready to confidently say that at this point. Because in both the Gonzaga game and the Kentucky game, this was not a team that was inferior pulling off an upset. This was a team that played just as good as both the Bulldogs and the Wildcats in those two games, and was running with them every single step of the way for all 40 minutes. This is a good basketball team. And with the emergence of guys like Malik Hall taking those huger roles, the Joey Hauser, of course, who had a huge game, but it, that's part of the testament to how good Michigan State is. He wasn't all that involved in the later part, at least in the big, big plays in this matchup. So if you're able to get him working alongside Sissoko, Malik Hall, Tyson Walker, that's a lineup right there. And I think it's going to be able to compete for a Big Ten title. Because again, Michigan State seems ready. And everybody else in the Big Ten I have yet to see. I'm not saying there's not going to be another team that's going to be right there from the start, but I just haven't seen it yet. With Michigan State, they've given us the opportunity first. And they've proven it first. Hey, we're here. We're back. Notice us. And everybody has by now. As far as anything to be concerned about, we talked after the Gonzaga game about how Michigan State really doesn't have an answer for the big man down low. Drew Timmy did pretty much whatever he wanted in that Gonzaga matchup. And again, Sheboy had his way too, 22 and 17. But these are all American players. And while they are all American players who did their thing, I do think that there's still some cause for concern in how easy it was for them at times. And also with just the fact that while Sissoko is really good, 
he's not at that level and the best Big Ten teams are going to have big guys at that level. So like, what are you doing when you're facing Zach Eady of Purdue or when you're facing uh, Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana, two completely different kinds of players? I mean, if you're talking about who's going to guard that size, Sissoko wasn't enough to be able to slow down Drew Timmy, really. He wasn't strong enough to slow down Shibwe a lot of times, even fighting down low. He was working around and playing good defense, but it wasn't like he was able to really, really fight with him in that post. And when he goes forward, he's not big enough to work with Edie. He's not really shifty enough. I don't think he'll probably even be defending Trace Jackson Davis when they play Indiana. So when you have a guy with size who's really talented, they're seemingly going to just be able to do okay against Michigan State and have their way, but it also seems like that doesn't matter, which is really, really exciting if you're a Spartans fan. Because you can figure out at least something on defense to make that better. And if you're beating Kentucky with Oscar Shibway having 22-17, and 17, again, he wasn't there in second overtime, and that was really when Michigan State took over. It seemed like it made a pretty big difference. This is big. For them to be able to say, hey, we are going to try and figure out what happens on the interior defense, but until then, we can win anyway. This backcourt's something special, I think, for Michigan State. Dickie V said it on the broadcast. But I really do believe that Michigan State's putting together something that could be that kind of unexpected top team in the Big Ten that we're looking for. And I, it wouldn't really be unexpected if it was Michigan State. Again, it's Tom Izzo. It's the team that you always know is going to, at the very least, be ready to play when they come and play you. But at the same time, this wasn't the team who was picked to be at the top of the Big Ten in the preseason. And if you ask me, I'd pick them over anybody else right now or just as, have as just as much confidence as I would in anybody else in what Michigan State is doing. So it's just, that's my take on it. This team's really, really good. It's not a hot take after you beat the number two team in the country, but them being this good and this prepared to start the season is what really makes the difference for me because I'm looking at the Big Ten and the big question is, okay, who's really ready? Who's going to be able to step in and say, hey, we're good to go. We don't need to spend this time kind of adjusting and figuring out who we are before Big Ten play. Because the sooner you can figure that out in the season, we see it time and time again, the better you do when you do get into Big Ten play. Because the longer that takes, before you know it, you're facing off against the top Big Ten teams and still really kind of trying to figure out who does what. Michigan State knows who it is. And it's used it to beat one really good team and just barely fall to another one. Imagine, imagine if Michigan State had won both of those games, what we'd be talking about right now. What we're going to be talking about next is, let me take a look at my notes, college football playoff rankings. They're out. They came out just after the Michigan State upset of Kentucky. Same four at the top, of course, but we'll go over all the other changes below them here on Locked On Big Ten. But first, it's time for the Nissan thrilling moment in college football from this week, brought to you by the new designs in the new lineup from Nissan. They're capable and ready to help you 
find the best car for you over at Nissan and also give you some of those thrilling moments that you can get in a Nissan, much like what you can get in college football. And in the Big Ten last weekend, where our Nissan thrilling moment is the Payne Durham 12-yard touchdown catch that ended up being the difference in Purdue's win over Illinois. It was his second touchdown catch of the day. O'Connell to Payne Durham gets Purdue in the top of the Big Ten West along with three other teams. We're going to be talking about that Big Ten West, of course, later on here on the program. But first, let's get into the playoff. Not a whole lot to talk about because not a whole lot of change, nothing really unexpected in these rankings that we saw. But a couple of things to mention. First off, Tennessee stays put at five. And of course, this isn't a change again. But I do think that I'm getting this growing and growing suspicion that whether it be a TCU team or a Michigan team, I think Tennessee gets in over him. If it's a one-loss Tennessee that didn't play in the SEC title game against a one-loss Michigan that didn't play in the Big Ten title game or a one-loss TCU team that wins the Big Ten cha- Big 12 championship still, yeah, yeah, I, I don't really, with TCU, know all those tiebreakers and things if they've actually uh, clinched all that or if there's a chance they don't make it with one loss. But anyway, the point being that I feel like the committee's just setting itself up to be able to put Tennessee right in that spot if either Michigan or TCU loses down the stretch. The big, big question I think that would really make things interesting is what if Ohio State loses that game? Because then I think I would be putting Ohio State in over Tennessee easily. Tennessee fans would say, why would you think that that's the case? Our loss is better than yours. But I think Ohio State's looked like the better football team. They've been ranked consistently higher than Tennessee up until the point where Tennessee was number one in the college football playoff rankings to start the season. But that's kind of like uh, what I'm talking about, like putting Tennessee number one at the start, then having them at number five here, just sitting and waiting for another team to lose. Whether it's deserved or not, I'm just seeing it being written on the wall for me before it happens. Just the disappointment of saying, all right, well, I guess it really is just still the SEC against everybody else. I think that Michigan and Ohio State have played well enough to earn that kind of a spot over Tennessee, but I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just getting that feeling in in the pit of my stomach that the committee is going to go that way if that happens. But again, if Ohio State loses... Then what happens there? Because Ohio State's much, I I shouldn't say much, Ohio State's more respected as a talented football team than Michigan is. And I feel like that's, of course, the difference between when you're talking about why these SETC teams always get that second team in over whoever else is contending for it in the situations over the years. It's because people just believe that the SEC is more talented, that it has better players, and that it plays better football. Ohio State's been that all season. I can go over the all-conference and all-American numbers from the preseason again if you want me to, but I've said them plenty enough already. This team had the team on paper to be better than Tennessee. It's gone out on the field. And if you ask me, played better than Tennessee. Of course, it's undefeated and Tennessee has the loss. But I just think that if it came down to a one-loss Ohio State who didn't play in the Big Ten title game, versus a one-loss Tennessee team who didn't play in the big or the SEC title game, I'm taking the Buckeyes there. 
And I don't know if that's the case if we're talking about Alabama instead of Tennessee here. And I don't know if that's the case if we're talking about Michigan instead of Ohio State. But right now, that might be the easiest scenario to get those two Big Ten teams in. Because I'm not seeing it. A one-loss Michigan team getting in over the one-loss Tennessee team that lost to Georgia. I, I don't see that scenario where the committee is able to convince itself to do that. Of course, TCU could lose twos and then throw that wrench into things as well. But as far as what we want here, and we want two Big Ten teams, that might be the most likely way to get it done. And it seems weird to say because it feels like these two teams have earned the benefit of the doubt, even if they hit that one loss. I don't know. Coming up, we're going to get into everything going on in the Big Ten West. A wrap-up and a look around the Big Ten at what does your team need to do to win the West? Still technically five teams in it, but Wisconsin's got a really long shot. The four teams at the top all need one other team at least to lose the rest of the way. It's a weird situation. Nobody controls their own destiny right now. And we're going to break it all down here on Locked On Big Ten to wrap up the show. Before we do that, Bet Online has everything that you need to make sure that you've got all of your sports gambling needs met. Go over to Bet Online to get all the latest lines, odds, and games from across all of sports, or just to get the info that you need before you put that bet in. Bet Online has everything that you need. Go over to Bet Online where the game starts. Let's wrap up by trying to decipher what's going on in the Big Ten West. Uh, it's ugly. And it's been ugly, but we have two weeks left now, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun to watch the rest of the way. We've got it four and three, Iowa, Minnesota, Purdue, Illinois, and a fifth team, Wisconsin, at three and four, still just barely treading water and having a little bit of a chance here to make this Big Ten title game in Indianapolis. But let's go over the winners first. No, you know what? Let's get to Wisconsin first, because that's what's fun, is getting into the team, when, at least when you hear this. It'll be fun if you're a Wisconsin fan, no, but everybody else who doesn't like Wisconsin. What Wisconsin needs is, of course, to win both their games. Here's, here's how I'm going to break this down. All five of these teams need to win both their games right now, or at least we're assuming you need to win both your games. In fact, you know what? I think it might actually be that there's no way for any of the teams to lose a game and still get in, maybe, with how everything works. I, again, there's so much with so many teams still in it. Math that's weird with only two games left. You could probably work it out and try and figure out everything. But again, here's the scenarios. As it stands right now with two weeks left, if every one of these five teams gets their two wins, none of them still control their own destiny. They need to get a loss from at least one of the other teams in contention. I'll try to break this down as clearly as possible. So if you're an Iowa fan, you need a Purdue loss. Of course, again, win your games, but you need a Purdue loss. If you're a Purdue fan, you need an Iowa loss. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I messed up right off the stop. Right off the top. If you're an Illinois fan, you need a Purdue loss. If you're a Purdue loss, you, or Purdue fan, you need an Iowa loss. I'm really messing this up to start. I'm going to clean it up and wrap it up here at the end. Iowa needs an Illinois loss. And Minnesota needs both an Illinois and Purdue loss at some point over the next two weeks. So to recap, Illinois needs Purdue to lose. Purdue needs Iowa to lose. 
Iowa needs Illinois to lose. That's the nice little love triangle that they have where each team has beaten each other. Minnesota has lost both to Illinois and Purdue, so it needs to win out and have both of those two teams lose. And then you have Wisconsin, which is a game back. So it needs two wins as well as two Illinois losses the next two weeks, two Iowa losses the next two weeks, and a Purdue loss at some point over the next two weeks as well. That's not going to happen, I don't think. I think I'm safe in saying that. So Wisconsin in the penciled-in-as-out category, I'd say. But everybody else, you've got your chance, but it's not up to you. Again, Illinois needs Purdue. Purdue needs Iowa. Iowa needs Illinois. And Minnesota needs Illinois and Purdue to lose at least once over the course of the next two weeks. That's it. That's what the Big Ten West is. And it's really, really complicated. But it's also really, really cool when you have this many teams in it with this small amount of time and games left to go. I don't know if you can find it in any other sport like this where you have five different teams in a division fighting to win that division with only two games left to play. I mean, it would never happen in baseball. Obviously, it would never happen in football with only four teams a division. Yeah, this is unique. This is something that can only happen in college football. And for being honest, it can only really happen in the Big Ten West. Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten, here with the everyday to remind you everything you need to know on what's going on in the Big Ten. Coming up tomorrow, we've got more basketball around the Big Ten to dive into. And of course, we'll get into all the other news from around the conference that you need to know. It's coming up on our next episode of Locked On Big Ten. Until then, subscribe to the show on Twitter, on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. It's at Locked On Big Ten. One zero at the end, not T-E-N. And I'm Nate Dickinson at Nate with Sports. Until next time, this has been Locked on Big Ten.